You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, and I am joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's podcast. And uh, I will say that in a stark contrast to the other night, the Bucks fall to the Heat 131-126 in a game that was thoroughly unimpressive I would say from the Bucks point of view <laughs> and yeah it, it, as I said in stark contrast to the other night where the Bucks figured some things out late in that game in Houston they did not figure anything out late in, in this one and uh, they you know in many respects uh, were lucky to get to overtime and and lucky to uh, you know have as many opportunities as they did to somehow steal this one but we will go through all of that, but I will remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. And Frank, yeah, we were, we were just talking about this a little bit before we started recording and then we figured we may as well just put this on the record because it was a strange strange game and uh i I, there was multiple times down the stretch in the fourth quarter and overtime where i was wondering if this game was ever going to end and funnily enough on league pass they they i don't know why they started doing this but it's kind of annoying but they started doing this like trivia thing and maybe they did it last season i didn't watch too much league pass last season but they did this trivia thing up in the top right hand corner where they'll just randomly ask you questions and it was kind of a typo, I guess, but one of the questions in overtime was, do you think there will be a final buzzer in this game? And I was kind of, I was unsure. I'm like, maybe not. I mean, the way the Heat keep missing these free throws, the way the Bucks can't take any opportunities, maybe this game will never end. Yeah, it was a weird game because, I mean, I think the, obviously the prevailing sentiment is, you know, frustration that the Bucks, you know, take this huge lead into halftime. They hit 14 threes in the first half. You know, the, the offense is turning you know chugging and and just clicking on all cylinders um firing on all cylinders i think i've completely mixed mixed up that (laughs) metaphor um and you know in no way on your home opener after that win in houston are you thinking like oh yeah you know we're gonna somehow manage to lose this game against a heat team that doesn't have jamie butler but um and as a as a viewer i felt complacent watching especially the third quarter right because like you just feel like Oh, the Bucks first for the freaking the Bucks, you know, 61 team. They're like, yeah, this is just, it's really just a matter of like, you know, I was just like, all right, well, let's see if Giannis can get his triple double. He needs to start scoring a little bit more. You know, I was literally thinking with that, with that mindset as like a Giannis fan more than really worrying about uh, the outcome of this game. And um, 
you know, I, I think some of the issues that we saw in Houston, particularly the fouling, uh, the lack of discipline on defense at times, I mean, that I think was probably the, the thing that kind of was the most obvious in the second half, not that um, it was exclusively a first half problem. Um, but, you know, certainly the, the fact that the Bucks went from red hot to ice cold from three, I mean, that's just going to happen, you know. I mean, ultimately, you finish 17 out of 54. We've seen the Bucks win many games comfortably, uh, shooting 26% from the field, let alone, uh, you know, 32%, which they shot uh, on Saturday. So, uh, and they still, you know, ultimately, it's, you know, Houston, or the Heat were 16 out of 44, so they were a better percentage. But, you know, it's not like the Heat getting, hitting, you know, kind of getting their own hot streak in the second half somehow overwhelmed the bucks in terms of like a net um you know differential and so typically with these bucks i mean if your three-point shooting is even right and, and obviously the bucks shoot tons of threes uh, and they give up a lot of threes but if the you know three-point shooting is even you're gonna bet on the bucks not fouling as much as the other team not giving up free throws and you're gonna bet on them shutting down the restricted area preventing the team from really effectively scoring in from two-point range which they did do in houston on Thursday, in spite of all those alley-oops, I think Houston shot like 40% or something on twos. So that's sort of the math that typically works out in the Bucks' favor. But unfortunately, on Saturday, um, the Heat outscored them in the paint 48 to 42. Uh, and, you know, you look at the two-point percentage, 53% for the Heat. Bucks were at 60%, so, they, I mean, they were better. Bucks actually were slightly more efficient in true shooting terms than the Heat on the night. Um, and also did make four more free throws. But, uh, you know, ultimately... Um, a couple more turnovers for the Bucks, uh, and you know, minus 11 in terms of points off turnovers. Uh, just felt like a very sloppy effort. Some of the turnovers, especially in that third quarter, third actually, I'm trying to think of it, both third and fourth quarter, there were just some like extremely sloppy passes that led to kind of easy heat buckets and then just fouling, fouling, fouling. And you know, Giannis is the headliner, six fouls, eight turnovers. I think at least two of those turnovers were offensive fouls. The last one was, I mean, like literally a non-existent, like he, he like slapped at the air and basically got an offensive foul called for slapping at the air from what I can tell. Um, and had another kind of phantom turnover where a ball went off Bam out of bio and, and on the break and it got ruled off him. But either way, Giannis was very sloppy. And, you know, I think he entered the fourth quarter with only two fouls had a couple of bad or not bad, but had a couple of kind of like, you know, more normal, like maybe not great fouls. And then also had it a take foul when they were bucks were fouling late. So he ends up going to overtime with five picks up his six on that phantom call. Another phantom. I mean, this was even more phantom than the six foul in Houston. Um, but it wasn't just him. I mean, George Hill fouls out, like, <laughs> you know, your, your backup point guard should not be fouling out. You know, a guy who's a very good defender should not be fouling out in 29 minutes. Eric Bledsoe in 33 minutes has five fouls. Middleton in 37 minutes has five fouls. I mean, you know, if, if this had gone to two overtimes, the Bucks might've been running a second unit entirely with the way that the, their guys were fouling. And so again, that doesn't work you know, regardless of the team you're talking about, but especially a team that was so good last year at, you know, I think what was it leading the league or being second in terms of uh, opponent free throw rate. It's obviously frustrating to see the, all these fouls and a lot, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the heat got tons and tons of free throws. Uh, like I said, bucks were actually were plus uh, four in terms of free throws made 
the bot teams are pretty much even in terms of attempts, but a lot of offensive fouls, turnovers. We've mentioned Giannis's offensive fouls that were kind of critical turnovers. And, um, you know, ultimately in a game like this, I mean, literally every possession ultimately mattered. And uh, so just to kind of, there's so many things you can look back on and, and be frustrated about that, um, that it's, yeah, it's just kind of tough to, to, to really kind of come away from that with any but a really bitter taste in your mouth, you know, an opening night game after being a 61 team just felt like the Bucks, and especially in that second half, uh, first half they looked, they played like a 60 win team in the second half. They kind of had the mindset of like, Hey, we're a 60 win team. We can just pretty much, you know, kind of screw around and play with our food a little bit. And um, obviously they, they paid the price. Yeah. I think uh, probably the, it's, it's a good, place to start I guess with with the Giannis foul because I mean that that is going to be the talking point and uh I like that uh, you know as you sort of unpack that that clearly that one foul was not the reason the Bucks lost the game because if you if you're really looking at this game as a whole the Bucks should not have been in overtime anyway you know you go in with a double digit lead at halftime yes they were shooting the ball really well but they were in control and I don't think that I mean for mine that first half was cruise control from the Bucks. Anyway, I don't think defensively they were playing, you know, particularly well. Uh, they were just making shots, and and that was enough for them to have the lead. But yeah, the Giannis foul. I mean, this is two games now that he is he is fouled out, and certainly it's an overtime game. So you know, you you have more opportunities to foul, obviously. But uh, I mean, that's not a foul in the first quarter or the second quarter, and it's not even. I've seen a bunch of people saying that. You know, it's it's an MVP as an MVP, he should be getting MVP calls. But I mean, that's not a foul for anyone. No. <laughs> and and it was interesting that you pointed out that you you thought maybe it was the slot, and that's that's yeah. I mean, maybe that was what the foul was. I mean, I hope it wasn't the the original contact where it was literally just a bigger and stronger player, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a smaller defender bouncing off him. I mean, that that's not a foul in 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 any game or any moment of any game so uh i i think my takeaway from that was that the official didn't actually see what happened and he saw the reaction and, and called the foul but you know to do that in overtime with five fouls for, for Giannis, and effectively i mean that's a game-changing call and to see him fouled out two games in a row is Pretty frustrating when you when you look at the the and and there's a bunch of fouls through the game and you mentioned the the take foul for Giannis and I there was also a foul earlier in the game where it was more of a frustration foul from him and he needs to stop doing that like this is the thing that he's he's done a lot and it can come back and cost you a game with with a guy like that because you know those fouls do add up as the game goes on but yeah it's it's, it's frustrating to see these you know touch fouls or I mean they they're just I, I don't know. I mean, it's been two bad calls that has taken him out of the game to two, two nights in a row to start the season. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty frustrating to see for him. He said all the right things after the game. He never really blames the officials. He said that, no, they, he wasn't frustrated with the calls. He just uh, wanted to be out on the floor. But, you know, he has to be wondering at this point, uh, like where the, where the respect is for the officials because it's, it's pretty puzzling at this point. Yeah, one of the other calls, uh, I think it was, in, I believe, in the second half as well, um, was where he, uh, a smaller guy was fronting him, and um, when he released on a lob over the top, they called a push-off. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like, it's it's natural that, you know, you're going to 
be bracing yourself against that guy a bit. And then when you go and release from him, you're going to lift your hands up to go grab the ball. And it's going to, you know, you could call that pretty much every time. Um, I, I don't recall it, you know, like it, it didn't matter. Like, you know, it was one of those things that it, it, it's just frustrating. And it like looks like officials are kind of hunting these types of um, offensive fouls here in the preseason and, and early in the regular season. And, you know, we always see kind of different points of emphasis like we saw in the preseason felt like every, uh, you know, the, the travels, you know, when guys take the step before putting the ball down, felt like that was something that we see a, saw a ton more of in the preseason. I don't know if we've seen it in the first couple box games at least. So, you know, we'll kind of see that, but, but this is, you know, kind of a theme every year. It seems like there's some point of emphasis. Uh, last year was like the freedom of freedom of movement stuff felt like it was a, a huge one. Um, you know, lots of off ball fouls called on defense this year. It feels like we're getting these calls on offense. And obviously, you know, it's a lot for a long time. People have talked about, you know, the, the issue with how many illegal screens are happening in the league and how that's just become a part of the game. Maybe they're trying to root that out a bit, which I can, I, on the one hand I can appreciate, but it feels like at times it's being called just because there's like contact and, you know, you feel like you need to call something like, I think Giannis, the only three, he was 0 for 5 from 3. He hit a 3 that got wiped off the board because of Robin Lopez being called for uh, an offensive foul screening for him. And, like, when I saw the replay, it was just like a guy locked up with them. And it's like, just because a guy locks up with them doesn't mean that, like, Lopez is, like, initiating the holding, you know? So it was just like, again, is that, you know, is that really the intent of what, what you're trying to legislate out of the game just feels like there's a lot of inconsistency and, and you just don't know what, what's going to get called. Um, but again, you know, as you were alluding to as well, this game should have never been in overtime, <laughs> you know, Yana uh, should not have been having to play the last few minutes of this game yeah. period because it should have been, you know, over. Um, but I thought the heat made some adjustments. It felt like in the first half, the heat and it felt like they were had decent success doing it but um it felt like you know everything all game long felt like a lot of two-man game stuff um the heat trying to take advantage of the way the bucks defend uh to you know get a lot of, it felt like there were a lot of uh floaters from uh from heat ball handlers you know when the bucks were dropping um felt like a lot of those went in in the first half even though they were down a ton of points just because of the bucks just kept making shots uh from deep in particular um, but as the game went on, you know, we saw them really exploit, uh, some of the floor stretching ability they had with, you know, a guy like Olenek who, you know, really didn't have like a, a great hot shooting night overall, five out of 11, four out of nine from three, 14 points on 11 shots. Okay. That's not crazy. Um, but it felt like, felt like all those shots seemed to come in the, in the third and fourth quarters, including a couple of really long ones and some consecutive ones as the heat sort of turned the tables and went from, you know losing what were they were down nine I think going into the fourth quarter and you know by with a few minutes left they were up by you know multiple possessions and it felt like geez how the hell did this game you know get away from the Bucks so quickly so um so yeah strange 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 game but I think you know on the one hand I don't know I mean my view is I always get frustrated with these because I mean look the Bucks are trying to you know they're trying to be the best team in the league and I think you know you look at the east Philly you look at the west Clippers Lakers, whoever, Utah, you know, Houston, whoever comes out of the West, you want to have home court. You know, I think, you know, I think if you're the Bucks, you know that you can be a team that plays as well as anybody in the regular season. So 
why not be a team that that goes and gets go, go and go and get yourself the best record in basketball you know <laughs> like like just like that should be the goal and I, you know you, you kind of wonder it's only natural after last year uh you know now everybody knows okay like it's not enough to be the best team in the league we got to win in the playoffs too um but i i think it's important that you know you you do kind of bring that night to night consistency and and you know i don't think this is a kind of team like a lebron i don't you know like lebron's cavs teams that would just sort of like you know kind of like half asset through the regular season win like 49 or 50 games and then go on the road and and win in the in the east finals every year um i i don't know if that's the really the 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 map you want to be you know kind of setting up you're setting yourself up for if you're the bucks uh so i i don't know it's just like last year you know i mean ultimately the you know, the bucks rested rested guys in the final month of the season but i mean they only won the east by two games over over toronto you know the, these games every game i mean it matters the season is long and all that stuff um but man like losing your your opener after you're up 20 plus against a heat team without jimmy butler and you somehow find a way to lose that like i mean you better use games like this to kind of wake up and you know, you just hope this isn't kind of a harbinger of, you know, consistent issues that we're going to see all season, you know? So I don't know. I don't want to like, you know, overly, you know, make people overly concerned at this point. Um, Cause I think, I don't think we've seen nearly enough of the season to feel like this is some sort of red flag that the bucks are just not the same team or they're not going to be serious or something like that. Um, you hope that it's just, you know, a good wake up call and they get it early. Uh, but you know, they've got some, I mean, Cleveland certainly on Monday, I mean, Jesus, I expect them to win that game. If they don't win that game, then you got bigger concerns, but, uh, you know, then you have to go to Boston and, you know, you've got some, you've got some tough games here in the, in the first few weeks of the season. And, uh, you know, if things don't go your way, you, you know, you could have a, a start that again, not puts you in like a huge hole necessarily, but you know, you may leave yourself with some work to do just to, you know, versus last year when you kind of came out, shot out of a cannon and, you know, the Bucks sort of led almost kind of wire to wire in terms of the East. Yeah, no question. I, I think I, I was kind of, kind of caught in two minds last night when I was thinking about this because on one hand, I'm like, well, it's game two. I mean, so I'm not going to fly off the, <laughs> off the handle, uh, you know, about losing game two of the season. But on the other hand, you, you're right. I mean, in many respects, the Bucks aren't just playing for uh, seeding in the East. They're now contending for a championship. So yeah. you're really looking at the record uh, across the league. And games like this that, you know, the Bucks should have won. And, and really, as I said, didn't play great through the first half, but we're just cruising to a win. And then you, you, you sort of have this, this sloppy second half, you can't hit a shot. You know, you just hope that, that these, these types of games don't sort of present themselves regularly because, you know, they're the ones that, that do bite you at the end of the season. And, and the Bucks didn't have a lot of them last year, but it was, it was interesting to, to note. I was talking with uh, Justin Garcia on the, on, on the post-game show last night, and he mentioned the Memphis game last year. And I was sort of thinking about that as well because that was the Bucks' first loss at home last year against the Grizzlies in a game that, again, they sort of just cruised through the whole game and you just thought that they were going to win and in the end, they just didn't. And that was uh, a, a loss that was a bad one for, for the team. But last night was, was sort of similar. I mean, if, if you don't have Jimmy Butler, you don't have James Johnson, 
obviously there's you know they were they were short-handed and and the, and the bucks dropped that one but i i think you know there were some interesting performances I, I thought last night chris middleton for starters is noteworthy because he did have 25 points four rebounds three assists but he started off four for four and he had 11 yeah. points in the first three minutes and you were like okay well here we go you know he didn't have a great great season opener but chris middleton has uh shot out of a cannon here and he is making everything he looks great and then from that point on he shoots just three for 12 three for 12 from from that point on and and a couple of air balls that yeah. <laughs> had me i was like i i, I didn't know if i was seeing <laughs> the, the right thing when he done that because the first time i was like okay well that was a bit of a heat check that's fine but the second one even he was sort of laughing <laughs> at that at the fact that he shot another air ball and and he really was out of rhythm from that point on obviously uh the game only gets to overtime because he <laughs> airballs another three i mean let's be real <laughs> he airballed a three and Giannis was there to to clean up the clean up the mess and send it to overtime but uh and then in overtime he has that shot that was just a little bit long it was a pretty it was a decent look for him and it was, it was a decent shot but it just rimmed out but yeah sort of a a rough night for him and and the numbers look okay when you see 25 points but uh yeah again we've spoke about this a little bit last year actually you know in october he he started off really well but slow starts to the season are not that uncommon for chris and and two games in uh you know he hasn't been finding his shot and this was something that we actually saw during the world cup his shot was a little bit off and uh he is you know, for the most part, playing within the offense and getting up 10 threes a game, which is, which is uh, you know, a pretty big number, uh, even by, by his standards. But yeah, it's something to watch. We'll see whether, whether he can start to find a rhythm now because after that start, you would have liked to see him sort of uh, continue on there. Yeah, I mean, he had, I think he what, finished his last eight threes. He was one out of eight, I think. You know, yeah. I mean, we do the quick math, four out of 11. Uh, it was a huge shot. It was on a, a corner three where he pumped yeah. fake, got a guy to bite and um, hit a wide open three that, that kind of dragged the buck, gave the bucks basically a chance. Um, I think it was in, what was around the last minute of, of regulation, something like that, or in, inside the final two minutes. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, I mean, by the way, if, if you were to drop a play, um, if, if you were to guess where the bucks are going on a last second shot, is it pretty much always a shot that is right, uh, like a, a, a an awkward like angle pass to Chris into the corner where he's like has to somehow figure out how to keep his feet in bounds but behind the three point line and then a guy's always like right on him. I don't know why the hell they keep running that play because I can't remember it ever working. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as you said, he almost hit the shot uh, at the end of overtime to tie it again. Um, but, you know, fittingly kind of rimmed out and um, the shot that tied it because Giannis caught the air ball and finished it, uh, he kind of had to dribble back into, uh, into the middle. I, it was kind of funny. I mean, when, when it happened live, my first thought was, well, yeah, it looked like Giannis beat the buzzer. You know, the light didn't seem to be on when he, when he released. But I was also kind of shocked that, that Chris had enough time to catch, you know, yeah. make a, a dribble and then shoot. And then Giannis still had time to, to kind of alley-oop tip it, it in. Um, so I, I, I didn't see kind of like the, the, a replay of, of the clock starting. Um, but part of me was like, 
did they start the clock late? Is that, <laughs> is that how they had all that time to do that? Um, but yeah, I think Chris certainly, uh, his shooting uh, late was, you know, in the, in the second half overall was nothing to write home about. Um, I think uh, the other play that jumps out was just uh, how, I mean, they ultimately tie the game anyway, but I think, I guess it was late in regulation uh, the Bucks. I think it, I think the Bucks were down two, and they try to get the post up for Giannis and yeah. Chris and him on the left side. Like basically, just have a, a, a you know misfire and look like Chris was anticipating Giannis sort of staying like you know in the post, and Giannis sort of basically darted to looked like he was going to then try to set a screen for Chris, and so that like one step towards uh, towards Chris's man, just like as if he was going to set the screen, basically threw everything off and Chris throws the pass behind him and you know turnover and it's like great you guys were going to have a chance to tie this and you don't even get a shot you know like 10 seconds left or whatever it was um which just sort of was like you know the comedy of errors that was the second half felt like kind of a fitting a fitting way to end it and then but even that right I mean in those last few seconds you get a miss and then you get a foul on Robin Lopez on the rebound and then Justice Winslow misses two straight free throws after flopping to get that call. I mean, it just, man, it was just such a crazy wild game that, um, you know, I think both teams probably felt like, you know, they were making it way too hard on themselves. And obviously ultimately the bucks kind of come away with the loss, but um, do we want to talk maybe a little bit about Giannis? Um, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of talking points here. I mean, you know, Eric Bledsoe was, not good. Um, I don't. I, I don't want to have a long conversation on Bledsoe quite yet, just because. I mean, we weren't even sure if he was going to be playing at this point because of the rib injury. So part of me wants to like give him a couple weeks to see if how much of this might be physical. Um, but I also understand after last year's playoffs that he's not going to give him, be given much of a leash. But um, Gian, let's talk about Giannis. I mean, he finishes twelve out of twenty-one, zero for five from three. I mentioned he made one that got wiped off the board fittingly. Uh, Startled from the foul line again, five out of nine. But, you know, you look at the other numbers, 17 rebounds, nine assists, three steals, two blocks. Um, Unfortunately, stuffed every stat category, eight turnovers, six fouls, 29 points in 37 minutes. Um, You know, he had a lot of Giannis force of nature type plays. Uh, The passing with all those three point shooters, uh, you know, the assist numbers, I mean, he's averaging 10 assists a game through two games. So, you know, sort of tells you plenty. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you, what do you take, what do you kind of take away from him? Cause I feel like a lot of the same stuff we saw last year, um, I don't want to say he's the same as last year, but it feels like the, the sloppiness, uh, with the turnovers, you know, his, his shooting now he's two out of 10 on the season from three, uh, the free throws, it feels like a lot of the kind of early season, sloppiness where he's like dominant in spite of um the small stuff uh feels like we're seeing a lot of that again and you know he's still just utterly incredible and unstoppable but um it still does feel like you know Giannis is averaging a triple double and 30 points a game and he still could get way better yeah I thought last night and again this is you know despite the the numbers that that you already mentioned but I I thought last night he was a little bit out of control. And I, I think that he's been better at managing that over, certainly through the course of last year. I think he, he improved greatly 
um, in, in that regard. But that third quarter in particular, I was sort of watching and, you know, at times, Giannis, and, and it's hard to, again, like it, it's always hard to criticize him for, for, you know, for anything really. But, uh, you know, there was a stretch there in the third quarter where the Bucks were really sort of stumbling through the, the, the first part of, of the second half. And, and it felt like Giannis was really trying to force, force the issue. And, and sometimes that's where he can have those poor turnovers. And I think there was at least two or three of those turnovers where he, he literally just lost control of the dribble and fell over last night. And um, that's not, you know, he's, he's got a lot better at that. I mean, he used to do that quite a bit, you know, in the past. But, um, you know, again, the Bucks don't get to overtime with, without him, you know, the way he was playing, even with those turnovers. And, you know, that play with 4.4 seconds left to, to take a coast to coast and get the, get the end one was just ridiculous. And uh, I, I wasn't really sure if, you know, I, I didn't think that that was the play that they were going to go for. I thought they might have looked for a three at that point, but he just, he just runs straight uh, down the line and, and gets the end one. So, look, he, he was incredible again, I think, across the board and, and was, was clearly... Uh, the the Bucks' best player, but yeah, a little out of control, and maybe it is early season sloppiness for him. Um, you know, eight turnovers is is too many, and you you really don't want that to become a consistent thing because uh, you know I think Giannis is at his best even with the assists, and and you think about the fact that he had nine assists. If if the Bucks don't shoot three for twenty four in the second half <laughs> of three, he's probably easily got a, another triple double there, and then twelve or thirteen. Uh, assists on the night so the assist numbers are up but you do want to see Giannis in a little bit more control I think because uh, when he's you know really dictating the entire court in terms of not only where the Bucks players are moving on the floor but how he's he's sort of learned to manipulate the opposition defense as well just simply by his movements and understanding the gravity that he has when the ball's in his hand uh, I think that that's when he's at his best. And last night, yeah, I, I thought a little bit, little bit out of control at times. Yeah, I mean, I thought Bam Adebayo did about as you know good a job yeah. as you could reasonably expect a guy to do when when he was single covered um, in half court. Uh, but you know, even still, um, you know, Giannis goes twelve out of sixteen on twos, right? Seventy five percent on twos, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, only the five missed threes really kind of dragged him down to a, a more mortal. Uh, 12 out of 21 shooting night. Um, but yeah, Adebayo, and I should mention Adebayo. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure the if if, we, if this was locked on Heat, we would be probably starting with with Bam um, in in a lot of ways, just because I thought he played a great uh, two way game um, with 19 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists. Um, ended up missing some free throws in in overtime, but he actually was like automatic it seemed at the end of regulation when the Bucks were hoping to get some free throw misses and then ironically it ended up being other guys not Bam who you know wasn't a, a great free throw shooter in, in college um, but it, it was kind of a um, you know an, an interesting night for Giannis in that regard but they also I mean they doubled him um, a number of times and I you know in the first half I, I, I was thinking that Giannis that the Bucks I think at one point were averaging more than three points per per play when Giannis was doubled in the post because they had like a couple of threes and then Corver had that four point play when they tried to kind of double Giannis quickly and, and Corver ended up getting the ball at the top and kind of like looked like he wanted to pass it again and then shot a three and got fouled for a four point play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen 
you know, the assist numbers, I think, uh, you know, playing with Corver and Matthews and, you know, those guys and their willingness to shoot, you know, from wherever, whenever, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I think the downside of those guys kind of, you know, coming out of the gate here and, and having very clear roles in the rotation um, is that, you know, we have not seen Sterling Brown other than, you know, really some, some foul impacted minutes in the first half in, in Houston. Right. I mean, I don't think he plays if not for Giannis and Bledsoe getting in foul trouble. Um, you know, he doesn't play. Uh, or, yeah. He doesn't play uh, on Saturday. Dante DiVincenzo. I, I thought Dante would play at some point this weekend, um, which I guess was just Saturday. Uh, he doesn't DJ Wilson, less surprisingly doesn't Urson continues to play too well for that. Um, but uh, you know, Corver four out of 11, you know, so, okay, that's nothing right home about, but uh, 14 points on 11 shots. Uh, and, you know, I mean, just the gravity he brings when he's on the court, I mean, team, you know, they, they have to, they have to account for him um, when he's where he's out there. And, you know, especially I think overlapping him with Giannis obviously is a lot of fun because um, it just makes it even harder for Giannis to, you know, to, to, to defend Giannis when you know that you've got, one of the best, you know, three-point shooters in league history on the court. And, and obviously Matthews, I mean, Matthews, four out of seven from three in this game, 14 points on nine shots. Obviously we were concerned about him up through the first half of Thursday's game, had a pretty bad preseason in terms of shooting. Um, but, you know, certainly I think a positive start to the season from Wes, because, uh, you know, if he's shooting 40% from three for the year, high thirties, you know, which certainly is, is well within his ability, just given the volume of threes he takes and the way that he can play off Giannis as well. Um, obviously that's, that's an exciting thing to, to see and, and something that you hope can continue. And you mentioned Middleton and, and just the volume of threes that he's shooting right now. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Let me, let me ask you this. What, yeah, we didn't do an over under for Giannis assists. Um, I, I think we, I briefly touched on it that it was one of those things that I thought, that number could go up this year just because he's playing with guys. I mean, again, not that, you know, and Malcolm Brogdon's had a great start to the season, even with yeah. Indio and two. Um, but Malcolm is not a guy who's going to generate assists for Giannis in the way that like a Corver or Matthews might, just because he's not going to shoot as many spot up shots. Um, but, you know, just net net this offense, um, what we're seeing from Giannis, uh, perhaps also maybe, I don't know if you, if we think teams are going to play Giannis double him more this year than the last year. Uh, if you had to put an over under on Giannis assists, where, where would you put it for assists per game this year? Cause obviously um, I'm not, let's say this, I'm at this point, I'm not entertaining a, you know, a triple double for the season. Um, but I think certainly, you know, what was he at 5.9 last year? Um, I think we've seen a ample reason to believe that that number should be, should be higher this year. Yeah, career high, 5.9 assists per game last year. But uh, I think I've seen enough to say that, you know, I'd be taking the over at, at, at 7.5 because, you know, I, I think I'm sort of with you. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think he's going <laughs> to average a triple-double for the season, but we're just seeing easy assists, to be honest, at the moment. And, and Wes Matthews and... And Kyle Corver are a big part of that. And I think in the second quarter, we really saw the, the impact that Corver can have for this team off the bench. And, uh, you know, I was somewhat surprised, you know, 
Uh, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but uh, you know, I thought a game like last night might have been the one where Bud would say, "Yeah, I, you know, we'll we'll play we'll play some Dante, we'll play some some Sterling Brown, Cole Corby. You know, you don't really you need to play." But I think an important thing to remember is that he's getting used to playing with Giannis and and this system in general. And and I don't think you know for a player like Cole Corver, I mean, he just he just shoots threes and he's so smart and and at getting to the right spots that. I don't think the adjustment is huge, but I still think the building the chemistry between him and Giannis is important. And Corver said himself when coming off the floor at halftime that he still thought that, you know, there was a couple of miscues there and they're just getting there with that chemistry. But, you know, if you get that guy playing 10 minutes a night with Giannis and then you, you include Wes Matthews who, I guess it's becoming more apparent to me and, and it's, it probably, it should have been anyway. I mean, we've seen enough of this guy over the course of his career, but there was one three in particular from the left corner uh, in the, I think it might've been in the second quarter there where Wes Matthews, I mean, he, he's got a quick trigger and he is, he is not afraid to shoot. The, the release is super quick and he can get off shots that, you know, Brogdon simply couldn't. I mean, that, that's, that's fair to say in, in, that corner three, for instance, you know, Brogdon probably has to put the ball on the floor, probably throws a pump fake and then puts the ball on the floor because he can't get it off. So, uh, you know, I, I think with those two in particular and then uh, a bunch a bunch of other shooters on the roster, as we know, I, I mean, I would say 7.5 would be... A, I'd be pretty comfortable with, with taking the over with that from uh, what we've seen in the first two games because the offense, for, for the most part, has... Yeah, we've got, we've got some fair indication of, of the way they're going to play, and we probably should have known from last year anyway. But bunch of threes, they're gonna they're gonna get up early shots in, in the shot clock, and I think Giannis is gonna uh, benefit from that greatly in terms of his assist numbers. Yeah, um, I I was thinking seven point two in my head. That was the the random wow. number I, that, I that is... kind of decided on, <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, we, we kind of can trick ourselves into thinking that we know, you know, we know about what, how good Giannis can be and what, what his numbers are going to look like. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think we don't, right? And never, never count on what Giannis might be capable of, especially, um, you know, even, this, even if this team is not more talented than the team last year, I do think um, it is a team that uh, – you know, could get him. It's it, let's say this is better situated to get Giannis assists for whatever that is worth, um, statistically. So uh, should be uh, should be fun to kind of watch that number in particular. Um, and you know, it's in, it's interesting. Um, you know, in hindsight, maybe we needed a random run of Dante Divincenzo to kind of spark some life <laughs> into this team in the second half. Let's just say this. He, he wouldn't have shot any worse, uh, you know, than, than the guys uh, did out there already in the second half. Um, but, uh, but that, that's sort of one of those things that, you know, I think adjustment wise, um, you know, we kind of saw the same guys. Uh, I think the big adjustment we saw was uh, Brooke Lopez uh, when he was switching uh, on to primarily Goran Dragic. Um, you know, we got to kind of see, I think, uh, I don't know what that numbers ended up being on, on his switches, um, but I thought for the most part, I mean, Brooke acquitted himself reasonably well. I think Goran had at least one tough shot, uh, on him yeah. when he, uh, when he switched out on him. But, um, I think, you know, for the second straight year, I think Brooke is showing that he still has enough foot speed that it's not like some killer to, to switch him out. Um, and, and obviously, you know, that was, 
uh, an issue for the Bucks, I think, in this game. Um, the fact that, you know, they certainly – Olenek was a problem. And, and I don't think Brooke was his man most of that time. You know, I think typically – uh, what they were doing when Olenek and, and Bam were out there together, they were putting Bam on, on or Brooke on Bam, right? Cause you're not worried about Bam shooting threes. And they were, you know, Giannis was, was really the one responsible for Olenek, but um, you know, we know the one, the one weakness Giannis has as a, def- as a defender is he's so good at helping and playing free safety that uh, you know, you're probably going to get open looks uh, if you are a three point shooter being defended by Giannis, cause he's going to try to go do other stuff. And certainly we saw some examples of that in this game. So I don't know any other thoughts on this. Um, otherwise, certainly, fingers crossed um, that the Bucks get a return to normalcy against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, on Monday night, um, especially with uh, with the trip to Boston coming on Wednesday. Certainly, you know, again, a couple of games here that you know, again, you hope to win both those games, um, but Cleveland obviously a much easier game, and uh, Boston. I mean, who knows, right? We know. Uh, those teams know each other very well, and I'm curious to see what Boston looks like, uh, you know, given their given their summer and um, kind of what they've looked like in the first week of the season. But any other thoughts on uh, kind of what to look out for here in these next couple of games? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think I do really have, and I got a bunch of <laughs> probably early takes, I guess, on, on the defense that I want to sort of, uh, you know, I, I think I want to see a few more games before you know I'm really really making any. Uh, statements on that but the one guy I'm looking for is Eric Blitzer I think it was a good point that you made because uh, I have thought to myself you know a couple of times that this is not the same Eric Blitzer that we saw last year in the regular season defensively you know particularly I mean I know he got in early foul trouble in Houston which really threw things off kilter for him but uh, I didn't really see the aggressiveness or or the really the effort on, on defense yesterday uh, against Miami, so or, or on, on uh, Friday night against Miami, so I am Saturday, Saturday night, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I mean Saturday afternoon. Technically, you yeah. you have the hard job because you're having to like you know because it wasn't Saturday afternoon for you, but yeah, no, it was it was Sunday morning, and now I've actually got uh, Monday night football. Uh, oh, sorry, Sunday night football. See, I mean, I can't like <laughs> I can't figure this out, but I've got Sunday night football on the TV right now, and it's Monday afternoon, so I'm I'm completely completely out of whack. But yeah, I, I think Bledsoe is, is something to watch. And and like I said, I, I think it was it was a good point that you made about the rib injury because I you know particularly getting over or under screens, I I haven't seen the same Eric Bledsoe that we saw last year. But if you think about someone that's got sore ribs, <laughs> are you are you fighting through uh, screens to get over screens? Uh, you know, on defense, maybe not. So. Uh, there was one play in particular, particular when when Nunn hit the the straightaway three on Bud, lost it at <laughs> Bledsoe and and also Kyle Corver, um, you know for the for the defensive effort there. So Bledsoe, I'm keeping an eye on it, and maybe maybe it is the the injury that that's lingering here, and and we should cut him some slack. But yeah, um, yeah, defensively, I'd, I'd like to see uh, the Bucks make some strides. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I think um, I think there may have been. I think they're, they're, I think Bledsoe might have gotten hooked, yanked after maybe some uh, non, uh, some, some, let's just say some possessions that were not intense enough defensively from, from Bud. And I, I know we were, um, I think we were, we were dealing with, uh, with Eric and um, we were trying to figure out, we couldn't see anything on the broadcast, but it looked like Bledsoe and, and Giannis might have had a, 
a bit of an animated exchange, I guess, uh, at the end of like a, a quarter or something like that, which yeah, end of the first, I, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, which again, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, we always, you know, from a media perspective, people often try to yeah. maybe read more into those than, than really there is to, to be read into. But by the same token, obviously Bledsoe is a guy that we're all kind of watching right now because after the playoffs last year, after, you know, the injury this preseason, we haven't really seen him play, um, play much basketball, uh, you know, since, since last spring. And uh, what we have seen obviously has been not great. Uh, and obviously he's a really, a really critical piece for, for this team. And, you know, you can't help but, but watch here in the first couple of games and just sort of start thinking about like, okay, well, <laughs> what if you had to go with George Hill and, you know, Wes Matthews is your backcourt in crunch time. Right. Um, I mean, I think you have much worse options that you could have at your disposal, I guess, uh, you know, given that, you know, Hill's, Hill's experience level and all that. Um, but certainly not a, not an ideal thing. And again, I, I don't want to start getting into that too much. You know, I think, I think if, I think the first, you know, before we even start thinking about any possible, like, Oh, it, is blood going to lose his starting spot? I think we're a long ways from that. I think Bud's shown he, he's typically very patient. I think, you know, if we see, George Hill being the guy, you know, being the initiator or at least, you know, clearly replacing Bledsoe uh, consistently late in games uh, down the stretch, then I think we can maybe start to think about that. But, um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, he, that, that's obviously the question mark for the Bucks right now. And uh, you know, unfortunately, even if there's almost nothing Bledsoe can do, right. If he plays well, we're going to say, doesn't matter. You, you haven't done it in the playoffs. If he plays poorly, we're going to say, yep. We, we figured you out. You're the guy who was the fraud in the playoffs, right? So it's kind of a no-win situation almost for Bledsoe. But obviously, as we said, I mean, you can't play the playoffs now. All you can do is kind of win regular season games. And that's all, you know, it's very important the Bucks do that. And, and obviously, Bledsoe, you hope, uh, gets back to being a, a major part of that. Yeah. And by the way, the Green, the Green Bay Packers, part of, part of me feeling better is the Green Bay Packers just beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. So, um, so if, I, if I didn't seem too depressed during this podcast it's because good things were happening there also my my daughter got sick um the night of the rockets game which i didn't know until i got back and um, my mother-in-law informed me that she had thrown up on her which is not fun and then middle of the night then uh, after we podcasted my daughter proceeded to throw up on me so that was fun uh and we uh we had a a non-emergency urgent care visit on friday so a little bit more adventure from the weekend than, than I was hoping for, but she's, uh, she's feeling a bit better now. So, um, so yeah, my part of me was, was having the perspective of, yeah, the bucks were losing a game, but well, now I can go pay attention to, to my 21 month old daughter who's way, should be way more important than the basketball game anyway. So, um, shout out to my in-laws for helping, uh, helping watch, watch out for her this weekend while my wife was traveling. But, uh, yeah, you know, either way, um, my daughter's illness or not, uh, hey, hey, Bucks, win some games. That's my, that's my request. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know what I, I think that's a fair request, and and you touched on it. I mean, we spoke about this before the Miami game, and I think we were both like, well, you know, this is a game that the Bucks should win without Jimmy Butler. But I mean, the Cavs, come on! I mean, if, if the Bucks lose <laughs> this one, uh, we we might be having a little bit of a different conversation uh, uh, after that game because. Uh, you know, that's, again, a game that they, they really should win. And look, the Gavs are playing good basketball. I mean, they had their, their home opener on, let me work this out, that would have been Saturday night as well, and they beat the, they beat the, the Pacers pretty, pretty handily. So, 
the Cavs are they're feeling good about themselves at the moment. And, uh, you know, the Bucks, they're at the point where, you know, you can't really sleep on anyone at, at this point. I mean, if you're going to lose to a, a Miami team without Butler and, and Johnson and all these guys, then, uh, you know, you have to come prepared and, and teams are going to come to fight their forum and, and really put that game on a pedestal and, and try and beat the Bucks. So Milwaukee to this point, Pretty unimpressive through two games, even though they do manage to pinch the one uh, in Houston. But yeah, it's uh, they got they got a bit of work to do, I would say. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that they they sort of have to work through some things early in the season. We spoke a lot about how easy the the regular season was for this team last year, so maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they'll they'll work through some some things and, and come out uh, better off from that. But I think we're going to leave it there. So I will remind you all that today's podcast was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. So Frank, hopefully uh, hopefully this Packers win is the, the turning of the uh, tides for Wisconsin sports heading into the game tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, the Wisconsin Badgers were definitely not uh, – the, the Saturday was, was not great overall if you're a Wisconsin <laughs> slash uh, Bucks, Bucks fan with uh, Wisconsin having uh, getting their ass kicked, uh, which was only befitting after, as you mentioned, the, the loss they had the week before to a terrible team. So um, Saturday was nothing to write home about. Sunday was better, and hopefully, uh, hopefully Monday will uh, we'll continue the, the more positive trend for, uh, for, for Wisconsin sports. But um, – but yeah, let's let's get on with the games and and yeah, now it's kind of weird. Now we're getting back into our our normal in season routine here. Of uh, we talk about something and then oh, there's another game. So uh, less less talk, more games. Uh, I think we can all agree that's that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, I think everyone will be happy to move on from from the Miami game. But it is seven o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, the Bucks will take on the Cavs and hopefully get back on the on the winners list and, and move to two and one on the season but for frank madden and myself kane Pittman, uh we will talk to you after that game